which certainly were associated with the change from youth, carefree and fervent, to the more self-conscious and more poignant period of maturer life. Nobody can doubt that before the supreme trial of a whole generation I had an acute consciousness of the minute and insignificant character of my own obscure experience. There could be no question here of any parallelism. That notion never entered my head. But there was a feeling of identity, though with an enormous difference of scale, as of one single drop measured against the bitter and stormy immensity of an ocean. And this was very natural, too. For when we begin to meditate on the meaning of our own past, it seems to fill all the world in its profundity and its magnitude. This book was written in the last three months of the year 1916. Of all the subjects of which a writer of tales is more or less conscious within himself, this is the only one I found it possible to attempt at the time. The depth and the nature of the mood with which I approached it is best expressed perhaps in the dedication which strikes me now as a most disproportionate thing as but another instance of the overwhelming greatness of our own emotion to ourselves. This much having been said, I may pass on now to a few remarks about the mere material of the story. As to locality, it belongs to that part of the eastern seas from which I have carried away into my writing life the greatest number of suggestions. From my statement that I thought of this story for a long time under the title of First Command, the reader may guess that it is concerned with my personal experience. And as a matter of fact, it is personal experience, seen in perspective with the eye of the mind and colored by that affection one can't help feeling for such events of one's life as one has no reason to be ashamed of. And that affection is as intense. I appeal here to universal experience as the shame and almost the anguish with which one remembers some unfortunate occurrences, down to mere mistakes in speech, that have been perpetrated by one in the past. The effect of perspective in memory is to make things loom large because the essentials stand out isolated from their surroundings of insignificant daily facts which have naturally faded out of one's mind. I remember that period of my sea life with pleasure, because, begun inauspiciously, it turned out in the end a success from a personal point of view, leaving a tangible proof in the terms of the letter the owners of the ship wrote to me two years afterwards when I resigned my command in order to come home. This resignation marked the beginning of another phase of my seaman's life, its terminal phase, if I may say so, which in its own way has colored another portion of my writings. I didn't know then how near its end my sea life was, and therefore I felt no sorrow except at parting with the ship. I was sorry also to break my connection with the firm which owned her, and who were pleased to receive with friendly kindness, and gave their confidence to a man who had entered their service in an accidental manner, and in very adverse circumstances. 
Without disparaging the earnestness of my purpose, I suspect now that luck had no small part in the success of the trust reposed in me, and one cannot help remembering with pleasure the time when one's best efforts were seconded by a run of luck. The words, Worthy of my undying regard, selected by me for the motto on the title page, are quoted from the text of the book itself, and though one of my critics surmised that they applied to the ship, it is evident from the place where they stand that they refer to the men of that ship's company, complete strangers to their new captain, and who yet stood by him so well during those twenty days that seemed to have been passed on the brink of a slow and agonizing destruction. And that is the greatest memory of all. For surely it is a great thing to have commanded a handful of men worthy of 